What's up, beautiful people, to another episode of Unapologetically Christians. It's me, Ricky Jones Jr., in which I'm also excited because we have our first guest for the podcast in this uh, edition, I'm going to say, in which it is somebody in which I know, I love, I treasure, and I hold near and dear to my heart. Now, one, because she happens to be the love of my life, one, Second, because she's my wife. Thirdly, because she's the mother of my children. But then fourthly, because she is a woman that can hear from God. So I'm excited for you all to hear her story from her perspective. But more importantly, to hear how the grace and love of God will shine bright in the midst of any and everything that goes through life. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce to self as well as, you know, call before others my lovely wife miss crystal how are you i'm good i'm like when you were like oh i want to interview you talk about your i guess salvation journey story whatever i was thinking i don't think i'd ever like in a totality type situation told my like salvation story i guess or my salvation journey i don't know it's ever evolving for sure but yes yeah, well, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it shall be. And it could be because I know glimpses and pieces of it. However, you know, the parts that you haven't said or shown or, you know, disclosed, feel free. Um, but first question is, who would you say your testimony, your salvation story would speak the most to? I would first sure say um, maybe a couple groups of people, but, you know, women is my thing. Um, I would say especially like that older teenage girl into young adult woman, like I know for sure then, but then I would also say adult women as well. I find that a lot of times I enter into different situations where it's helpful to them too. So uh, specifically, definitely women. And then I would say also in that subgroup, uh, people that feel like there's no hope for them. Uh, I love talking to those individuals, especially women uh, that are in that situation and that feel, you know, just kind of defeated, like they aren't enough, like they'll never be enough. And then I would say people that need faith, like you are in a transition or you just, again, seem in an impossible situation, down and out, whatever it is. But uh, people that want to make big faith moves and really see the hand of God in their life in the area of faith and believing, like, that's my bag. Okay. Oh, that's your bag. All right. <laughs> Stay in the bag. The first, well, not the first group, but one of the groups that stuck out to me was young adults and teens. Like, why that group? Why would you say you can minister to them? So, older teens. Okay. I'm still specific. Not 13. <laughs> what, 17, 18? I'd say maybe even 16. Okay. Maybe. And the reason I would say that is because, one, I've worked with them in the past, but then, two, I feel like that's a major transitioning pivotal point in life. And I know during that sanctioned season in life, I made a lot of decisions that I feel like if there was just someone around to help me understand the different things more um I may have made a lot of different decisions and I try to be extremely transparent well not trying to be I am extremely <laughs> transparent with any girls that I minister to that I talk to like I feel completely 
I mean, people want to judge me. That's on them. I don't care. I feel like anything that I've lived and done, Dottie's testimony. So that's why I don't mind being transparent. But I just feel like if there were things I would have known, if not even to say I would have made completely different decisions every time, but there are definitely some things I would have done differently and I would have just made a more informed decision. And I don't try to tell anyone what to do. And I feel like a lot of girls in that stage, they're just being told what to do. And I feel like I'm effective with them because that's not my goal. I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to help you make a very informed decision about whatever you choose to do. And so I like to help them share knowledge, give them a little girl. This is where you can about yeah. if you can down this path. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I say them. And then again, those older teens, because they have a sen- more sense of accountability for their actions. Um, I don't like the blame game. And I think that we're just kind of 15 and younger. It's it's easy for them to just always be like, but my parents this or but so-and-so that like they blame a lot and I don't deal well in situations trying to help people that refuse to take accountability. Mm, that's good. That's good. So I share my story, right? In a sense where I accepted Christ at the age of seven. And in the midst of that, I was like, dad, I want you to baptize me at the house because I want to do it in front of everybody. However, for you, how old were you when you accepted Christ and when you were baptized? So, I don't know how old I was when I got born again. Okay. I don't know. I've been like my whole life. I've been born again. I My mom literally went into labor with me during a Wednesday night service. So, when they talk about people that was born in the church, that's literally me. She was on the front row and her water broke. So, like, I've been in church my whole life. Uh, and even my baptism journey has been different, I'm sure, than most because when I I, I got baptized at some point, I know I made a decision to get baptized. But after that, um, whenever my dad, who's a pastor or was a pastor before he passed, would have children that wanted to get baptized, but then maybe for whatever reason they got afraid, they didn't. You know, they were just, they got nervous because the water, we would do it down at the beach. So it was a big ocean. Right. My dad would say, like, there's nothing to be afraid of. Like, and one day, he's just like, there's there's a child that was afraid. And he's like, there's nothing to be afraid of. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to be afraid. My dad's like, yeah, Crystal got baptized. He's like, look, I can do it. Like, and so, like, he would not, he would technically baptize me again. Um, but so he would baptize me again so that the child could see there's nothing to be afraid of. And then, they would be like, okay, it's okay. And they would get baptized. So literally probably almost every baptism, I ended up getting baptized. But reflecting on it now, it's cool because it's like I've been baptized, but it was helping other kids feel, you know, just not that sense of fear of the water and stuff. So that's the first part of my baptism journey. Um, In my adult life, I've been baptized twice. Once was when I was in Maryland. I had moved there but I uh was sitting and I just going through a big transition and one of my friends looked at me and she was like would you like to get baptized and I was like sure like I really had never thought about it and even the weight of it per se and so I was like yeah I'll get baptized and that I was probably 22 at that time and but it was an extremely memorable moment i really remember feeling like i went down and i wow. came up refreshed wow. and new and i was dead to an old version of myself and alive 
to the new part of my journey that God was calling me into. And honestly, after that time that I spent in Maryland, like my life was forever changed. And so that was the second time I got baptized. And then I recently got baptized again. And now I do believe in getting baptized every time I feel like God is calling me into a major shift, a major change. I like to get baptized as just a signal of God, like I publicly want to display my acceptance of what you are calling me into next. And I want to die to and wash away any old thinking, any old habits, anything that is not going to be productive in the season you're calling me to. I want to go down, have it be washed away, and I want to come up ready to accept and walk out whatever the call is. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what a <laughs> baptism journey, right? Everything in my life is a journey. But even to the point of your thought about your salvation has been since birth, right? And then in the midst of telling your story, you never gave an age to when you accepted Christ into your life. However, you do have time frames of when you were baptized. So I think that's awesome. I think that's cool. Uh, there was definitely a time when I got born again. And again, I remember at times like, hey, raise your hand if you want to be saved and being in church and many of you being like, yeah, you're me. And like literally doing it like every other Friday. <laughs> say the prayer of salvation and saying the prayer. I never got to forgive me. Like going through the whole thing and not even in a weird religious type way, but genuinely meaning it when I was doing it. Like, yes, God, I want to get born again. Like, I want you to come into my heart. And I don't even think it was that I thought it didn't work the first, I don't know, right. 20 times. It, right. it, I just did it over. Over. <laughs> I don't know the first time. I can been four. I've been talking and everybody says since I was born. So I don't even know. There it is. There it is. I dig that. And so even in the midst of like who your testimony is for, uh, you talked about women, you talked about older teens, you talked about young adults and things like that. However, when was like one of the first times that you can remember where you know it was only God who brought you out of a situation that you found yourself in because you were in the midst of doing something you should have been doing. And this is where it gets really hard to tell my salvation story because it's like, there have been a lot of situations. We're here. But the I help the um Power fire one, pick one. Oh my gosh. Like a, okay, a situation where it It was the grace, it was the love, it was God Himself being there with you that brought you out of it. And you looked up and was like, wow, God, I know you're there. Okay. I mean, I don't even know. It's so weird because I feel like a lot of times I would say I black out. Like I just forget different things until a moment specific arises where it's like that story is necessary. I don't even know. Um, but one, one story that I know that again was a big transition for me was when I was in Atlanta, I had finished school and I was getting ready to move to New York. And it was a very challenging move for the simple fact that I, there was an expectation that I would come back to Tampa immediately after finishing college. But I felt like God was telling me to move to Maryland. I went up there to visit. Um, I honestly, I went up there to visit under the assumption of a school trip because I wasn't going for a school trip but really I was like oh I have a friend up there I can party so that's I was like boom I'll go but I 
So anyways, that was a great tip. So I was moving back up there. Long story <laughs> And so when I went to move back up there, um, again, there was just a thought that I would come back to Tampa, but I knew I was supposed to go to Maryland. And so it was just really challenging because I was like, okay, well, where am I going to work? What am I going to do? I need to get a place. Obviously, moving to a whole nother state, fresh out of college, it costs money and different things like that. But I knew what that was saying to do. So I made the decision that I was going to move and I cried. I cried literally probably like every day for like two and a half, three weeks. Wow. Um, toiling over the decision to move. And that same friend that had told me to get baptized, she helped me like through that journey. And um, the day came when it was time for me to move and my plan was pack up all my stuff, put it in my two door, Honda Accord. There it is. Um, the passenger door did not open and the trunk did not open either. Mm. Uh, well, the passenger side door was broken and the truck was like jammed. So literally, like, I would have to climb through the trunk to get into the front of my car sometimes. Like, it was oh, so good. But I was, so, yes, like, a whole thing. But I put on my stuff in the car, and I was just going to drive up to Maryland and figure it out. I was like, I felt like God was telling me to do it so he would make a way. And literally the day before I left, Somebody that had not, had known me on my life, but literally never gave me any money in my life, looked, came and gave me a $5,000 check. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was amazing to me about it was not just like, they were like, oh, I want to give you this $5,000. They gave me the check for some work that I had done for them, like, 10 months before that. Wow. And they asked me to do something, and I was like, I'm not going to charge you. If there is anything that I could ever do for you, I would do it for free. There's there's no way I'm putting in money, a dollar amount on this. Like, no way. And so I did the work for free. And in my mind, that was the end of that. Then they gave me the money and they were like, I wanted to pay you for this. And it's like 10 months later. Wow. The day before I leave, <laughs> he wanted to pay me for this. And... It's funny because in Reddit, like my dad was like, he started handing me the money. I was like, that's it, right? <laughs> Not even the money because it was like in an envelope. He just started handing me the money. He's like, that's it, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I packed in my stuff. I moved to Maryland the same week that I got there. I was walking around the mall with some friends and I was to my Ruby Tuesdays. God was like, go in there, ask him for a job. I had never worked in a restaurant before. I walked in. They hired me on the spot. I had favor at that job the whole time I was there. Um, they gave me extra shifts, just everything. So everything literally just fell into place. And so I would say that's definitely a time in my life where I just was so covered by the plan and purpose of God for my life. Um, so yeah, that's one thing. Then and healing testimony, just all trying to stuff in my life. So I mean, let me ask you that, right? In the midst or before going to Maryland, making the move there, were you doing everything right? Were you living this divine life or were you like, I just need to escape? Like what was going on that led to, or what, you know, in your life that was going on before making a move there? So no, I would say this particular move wasn't an escape move. I had made escape moves before. 
but this particular move was not an escape move. I would say, again, this at this time, I was moving to Maryland because I wanted to grow my relationship with God. When I went to visit that first time to party with a friend, they moved, like, they moved me off, basically, which happens when you have, like, you know, shoddy daddy friends that you're partying with. It happens. So I was, you know, like, mad at that. But so I ended up in a whole nother situation that was obviously a dad ordained encountered. And so like, we ended up praying, it was a whole thing. So that created a shift for me that really just encouraged me to want to pursue God more. So I would say at that season of my life, I was really in pursuit of God. And that's why I was making that transition. Now, escape moves, like, I like that I've done escape moves before. Like I was living with a friend or they were living with me actually. It, which is a thing. It's like a trend in my life, people living with me. But, um, I was in, uh, I had an apartment and I was like, man, like I was in my, going into my junior year. I just finished in my junior year about to go in my senior year of college, but it was just a lot going on. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. And so my friend was staying with me. And so I was like, hey, can you drive into the airport? I'm just going to be flying home to Tampa. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. And so I just packed up a bag of clothes. And I had to like a big one, like a regular check-in size bag. She dropped me off. And then she called and she was like, because she was in a situation where she couldn't stay at home where she was. So that's why I let her come stay with me. And she was like, hey, um, when are you coming back? And I was like, oh, I'm not. Like, probably, like, after I'd been gone for, like, two weeks. She was like, when are you coming back? Um, and I was like, I'm not. I was like, but don't worry. The rent's already paid. I'll come get my car at some point. Mm. But um, you can stay there. You're good. Period. <laughs> just playing. This was in Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. So I literally just left. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was in the middle of dating someone. <laughs> they were like, where are you? I was like, I moved. I, yeah, and they were like, because they heard from a friend, they were like, did you move? And I was like, yeah. So, hold on, time out. <laughs> you were dating someone. Like, it it was a- Hold on, let me, let, me, let me clutch this thought out, because we're all thinking it. You were dating somebody. They found out from two other sources that you moved. You didn't even tell that person. I wouldn't say two other sources. I might say it from a person that told a person. Well, they thought I was in somebody else. Okay. Uh, and I say it was a very, it wasn't like a super committed dated situation. It was like a loose, we saw each other like weekly, a couple times a week, but I mean, I feel like it took probably at least a week and a half for him to realize I was gone. So, or for you not to tell him. Well, yeah, no, I didn't say anything. Right. right like, I don't know. Yeah, no. Okay. So, but when he called, I was just like, yeah, I didn't move. Done deal. But it all worked out, right? Yeah. It all came together in the midst, not him, but uh, in the midst of like the move, it all worked out, came together. You were able to get what you needed from God and from the move. I mean, I would say that I was in that move, I was escaping, but I I wasn't necessarily like escaping to find God. I was just escaping to run from the situation that, Honestly, I created like okay. it was just like I was shy. There's just a lot going on. I didn't want to deal with that guy or any of the other guys I was talking to. Like mm-hmm. I had school stuff, and I was just like, you know, I, I just need a break. And so I just left. I dig it. I dig it. Now I think we're having some fun, right? <laughs> because here it is, right? 
you being a pastor's kid, pastor's daughter, right? Uh, let me first ask this question and I ask another one. Did you feel any of the pressure of like preacher's kids, pastor kids being the worst kids? I definitely did. Um, and mainly because people literally said it. Right. So oh, right. <laughs> uh, I had to say that started really early on. And I actually have a very vivid memory of the first time that I felt defeated by that statement. Um, I had been walking around at church and I've always been, not always, ever since I was like hip teenage years, 13, 14, whatever, I just became like curvy. Like I was tiny, but I, I was curvy. Yeah. <laughs> so I w will, it'll kind of represent the story, but um, so I was probably like 16, 17 or so. And I was walking around and um, someone had come up to me and they were like, oh, I see you got them heads. What you've been doing? And <laughs> I was so naive. I literally didn't even know what they were referencing. Okay. Which I believe. I do believe you. I literally, I had maybe kissed a guy once at that point. Maybe. Okay. And so like, I just, I was like, what are they talking, what are they even talking about? Now, I was with a friend who had been active, and they were like, oh, girl, like, you know, they're talking about, like, you know, it. And I was like, what? Like, Yeah, you're at the age where you're still calling it it. Right. Like, I was still, I was just so mind blown. And it, again, it was just like, for me in that moment, like, up until that point, I was extremely serious about waiting until I was married and, you know, that crop and say, bad as I just said, like, I had kissed the guy, like, maybe once. Right, like, right. I was extremely serious about not crossing certain boundaries and things like that. But in that moment, it was like, wow, like, this person just went from zero to 100 mm -hmm. on me, like, like that. Mm -hmm. And they had people with them that was like, yeah, you already know. Like, and it's like, is this what all of you guys think? Mm -hmm. Like, and in that moment, I remember my mind switching over, like, you know what? Like, if you guys are going to think I'm the worst, I might as well be. Because yep. Yep. it does not matter how much good I do. As soon as I make a mistake, I'm going to get crucified for it. As soon as I say one wrong thing, like, no matter what I do, like, it was constantly a thing. Why is her skirt so short? Why did you wear a spaghetti job? Why this? Why this? Why this? First of all, I'm not buying my clothes. I am a child. Like, I'm not wearing what my parents paid for. I'm not showing up to church, changing in Sunday school, like, we're all together here. Like, so that was a thing. But like I said, I definitely could readily identify the moment in which I felt defeated by that thought process. And from then on, not then on, but then from that moment for a very long time following, I just was like, well, I'm gonna live it out. So yeah, I was definitely, so the type of person that I am, I am like an extremist. So my thought was not only like, oh man, you think I'm bad? I guess I'll be that. Like my thought was, I will be the definition of bad. Now, how old were you <laughs> at this point, right? Because I know you now, at the age you are in our relationship, and greet. <laughs> your level of extreme is extreme, right? And my lovely wife, cool, my love dearly. I started off with that. 
she can turn up, right? But I know, right? I know what this is and all that good stuff. But what age were you at this point? Because I can only imagine the way you are now. At that age, like what people even thought about you even being whatever age, what age were you? Um, probably like, again, like 17. Okay, 17. 17 extremists. I'm gonna give people what they want. Preacher's kids, pastor kids are the worst kids. What did that look like? So, and I would say just to you, add this into context. I've always been an extremist. We had, I don't know if you remember those big like coffee table Bibles. Like they're like yes. this, yes. They, this, this. Yep. When I was in first grade, I used to take that to school with me. Okay. For what reason? To tell you about Jesus. Okay. <laughs> I think because you've been baptized several times at this point. Right. Like it was what I read. Like when it would be like reading time, and this I would take that book out of my bag. The size of your desk. You know, yeah. If the size of your book bag, if you can even fit it in your book. Bag. But look, and my mom was like, "Why can't she fit her books?" And when did she realize? Because I just putting the Bible. But and she was like, Chrisley, you know, this deep, is so big. Deep down, I know she loved it, but then, you know, said like, it's a lie. And I dared the teacher to say something about this Bible. Like, I all of this is happening. Like, so, you know, we had to read stories. Like, when we would read, like, I would read the dictionary because I was like, I want to learn words. And so, like, I didn't just read books to learn words. I would read the dictionary. There it is. So I've always been an extremist. Say the least. <laughs> to say the least. Um, but yeah, so what did that look like lived out? Like it was literally like, if I want to do it, I'm gonna just do it. Like, and I'm very much still that way. I try to live my life in a way where if it's good, if it's bad, whatever it is, I can stand behind the decision that I tried that I decided to make and whatever the repercussions are, they are. And so, I mean, I don't know, like, what you said, what does it look like? I don't know, name bad stuff. Like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I skipped probably. So let me ask you this. Let me be more specific, right? So obviously you're living at home at age 17. You yeah. have the ability to then go off to college. Once you graduate high school, you go to college. And then I'm going to say is when you're able to fully live out the extremes of your decisions, right? Now, yes, at home, you're able to do things here and there, but it's suppressed, right? Because there are rules, regulations, and eyes on you. However, when you're gone, which you left and went to Georgia State, a whole nother state from where your family lives and the core of the eyes, if you will, on you. So, like, what did that look like? And where was your relationship with God in the midst of, like, your college? I'm going to live my life period of life. So I would say the thought would be like, oh, you know, this started probably in college. But no, very much in high school, I skipped probably half my senior year. Okay. Uh, and I would literally just get in my car and not go to school. <laughs> okay. If I did go to school, I'd probably leave early. Like, I just didn't go. And I wasn't doing anything productive. I'd just be sitting around. At, so I was dating a guy, but then... I don't know, sometimes he couldn't skip school, so I would just go sit at his friend's house. And literally, like, he, him and his friends, they would just be smoking weed all day. I've never really been a weed person, so I wasn't smoking weed, but I would literally just be sitting. So, like, I would just skip school, I would, and then I started off college here in Tampa, so I would say I was going over to 
my friend's house to the night, but I would be with another guy that I was dating. Like, I would just be out doing whatever, wherever I was. And so it just looked like doing whatever. And then I moved to Atlanta for school. Um, my mom wanted me to stay on campus my first year of college. So I did. And I mean, I don't know, whatever all happens on a college campus, like, yeah. right? Um, so that, like, I did it. I, can't, I wasn't, I've never been a drug, like, person. I did acid once, but it was by accident. Um, but... I don't even know. I right. <laughs> see it on the dudes. I was gonna act like I knew what you're talking about. Then she had to explain it. You understand? Know well, no. Like what happened was, they actually put it into a, you know, the uh, Listerine like yes strips. Yes, they put it into that. Okay. And I just asked somebody for one. Probably while skipping for a Listerine strip or an acid strip. A Listerine strip. Okay. And I don't know. They have probably somebody that was in this is in high school, like in um, I don't know if y'all had ISS. Yeah. School suspension. Yeah. So my school did. I never wasn't part of. Okay, I was there like almost every day. So I was in ISS. So I'm with a group of kids that are you know delinquent or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I asked the mind for one, and they gave it to me. They're laughing. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm, like, seeing stuff. Like, I'm like, what's happening? So that's how that happened. It was an accident. But, so I've never really been, like, a drug person. Um, But I definitely drank, like, a lot. Like, a lot. Like, I mean, like, when I would wake up, like, people would come over, and they'd be like, oh, I'm thirsty. And I'd be like, okay, like, I have some hypnotic. I have, like, some Ciroc. And granted, I'm not even 21, so I just got to college, but I found this store, corner store that sold you underage alcohol. As long as you use cash, not debit, because then they could track it. And so, I know. The crazy thing is, this corner store is still in existence and operates today. She showed me where it is, and uh, I was like, wow, okay. But let me also say this, too, as a disclaimer, right? Because I'm sure the people are thinking, Ricky, how are you listening to your wife talking about this guy, this guy, that guy, this guy? Hey, we both have a past. And what we did come to terms with and is that we've had a past. However, the past is just that in the past. However, where we were when we came together, it was us going forward. And so she has a past. I have a past that I shared and things like that. And didn't even share it to the full totality of my past. But I'm saying all that to say. I did not allow her past, nor did she allow for my past to prohibit, stop, or devour, if you will, what God had for us to do. And so here I am today, even hearing the story, I'm not feeling no type of way um, because, I mean, I can relate more than anything. I can relate. So in the midst of it, all right, you're in high school, you did acid. In college. By accident. Correct. Yep. By accident. In college, you did the college life. However... Like, in the midst of all of that, where would you say you recognize that God was still with you, for you, and still wanted best for you? I mean, I was, like, I still went to church. So, even in college. Yeah, even in the midst of everything that was going on, like, I still went to church. That's good. Um, It was important for me, I guess, is that root was there. And so it was just important for me to go to church i would take people to church with me like hey you want to go to church too like i don't care how late we've been up last night but i would also say a great part of that had to do with 
friends that I grew up with and um, just keeping them in my life, keeping them around. Like they was going, they weren't as loud as me. They was going to church. So it's like, yeah, you're right. Let me get up and make sure I make it to church. Like that, I, yeah, like that was a part of my journey. So I don't know. I don't know that I felt distant from God. I would say, honestly, I I don't think, I guess maybe I didn't consider it, but I didn't really feel distant from God. Like I, I was just, and I honestly didn't consider his grace. Like I didn't consider like this or that. My literal thought process was like, I'm doing what I'm doing. And if it leads me to hell, that's where I end up. Like it wasn't like, man, like, what's gonna happen it was like no i'm gonna go to church because i believe in jesus i'm saying like i go to church i'm gonna do whatever i do and wherever the tip land that's where they lay and i take full responsibility for that see i love this i love this because this is like the crest if you will of what this podcast i believe will be able to do and so all that you were doing you said you were still going to church you were still a believer you knew that if the things that you were doing led you to hell. That's just what it was. However, you were still going to do whatever it is that you wanted to do. However, you still had the belief that you were a Christian. You were still loved by God, called by God, and covered by God. Uh, what would you say uh, to the person or the people that are in the college phase or in the phase of like doing whatever they wanted to do? even though it may not be quote unquote what people say they should do and making sure that they keep their center with God. Like how were you able to do both, right? How would you able to live the life of an unbeliever, but also have the mindset that I'm still a believer? Like, what was that like? I feel like, and maybe just because I did read the Bible so much, like I didn't feel like my salvation is something that could just be taken back. Boom. Like I made my decision, yeah. but I didn't denounce, I never denounced being saved. So yes. why would I be unsaved? Like, yeah, I may not experience some benefits of salvation. Yeah, I may have more challenges for sure. Cause I keep throwing myself at first into all this crazy mess. But at the same time, like I felt like in my Bible it said, I never leave me or forsake me. He'll be with me to the end. As long as I don't denounce him, as long as I don't leave him, he's not leaving me. Like, so it was never a thought. Uh, and so I guess what I would say to that person is literally just make sure you're only doing things you want to do. And I would say that was probably my biggest breaking point. Um, I remember distinctly, I was, so this is after I had left that apartment. I came back to Atlanta again, and this was during the time that I actually finished school. But I had got back to Atlanta again, and I had gone out. I don't know, I probably was left the club. It was like a shootout or something, and, you know, got out of that mess. Bam, bam. Like, well, the crazy part was I went to the party with a friend and her friend. They got into a fight, and I was on the other side of the club, but they got into a fight. It just kept escalating, apparently, and then the police were there. Then people were shooting, and the ambulance was there. The girl that drove me there, again, she was the one in the fight, so she's trying to hide from the police. One of them had a seizure in the middle of the fight. So 
he ended up getting put into the ambulance oh. but handcuffed oh. in the ambulance. The girl that drove me lost her keys during the fight. She's looking for her shoes. There's people shooting actively. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to get out of here. Like, so I call one of my friends. Again, one of those people that's like, keep them in your corner. She, I don't even know how she got there that fast. Within like three minutes, she was at that club. I hopped in the car and we left. So like, wow. You know, it, so anyways, I was living where I so where we were living together, but I remember distinctively one night, like I was throwing up, I was so sick, whatever. I was on the bathroom floor and I was like, at this point, I'm beyond where I even want to be. Wow. Like, I'm not even who I want to be anymore. It's, I felt like it was one thing to be living a life where it's like, oh yeah, I'm out, I'm partying, I'm drinking, I'm smoking or whatever it is I'm doing. And this is because... I want to be this person and I want to be doing these things. Like, I feel like that's one category, but literally I just got to this place where I was like, I don't even want to be this. Like I'm beyond lines that I drew for myself. What am I doing? And I would say that was a real breaking point in my life or a turning point in my life where I was like, you know what? Like I had to get myself together. Like, I got to start making some changes. How long am I going to be the worst? Because everybody said I was the worst. Yeah. Who cares what they think? What about what I want to be? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. No, I dig that. I dig that. And I love that for so many levels, right? Not only did you talk about uh, the greats of God, but I love even the core of it all. Do what you want to do. And you kept your relationship so You've surpassed that, right? You've graduated college. Praise me to God. We met each other post-graduate school. Well, graduate school, during graduate school, uh, which is post-undergrad. Because, you know, if we met each other during undergrad, we probably just would have met each other in passing. And that would have been the end of it. Baby, I don't know. God's did that. God's did. And so you're here now, right? And so what moments in life are you um what moments of life are you reminded of god's hand still being on your life like uh once you graduated college once you've went off to maryland i believe and maybe you came back to tampa or you went to some other place like what was one of those moments after college you were like all right god we're in it together i'm in it for you i know that you're still with me like what was that so like my journey I don't know if God just feels like he needs to reiterate things to me but um so there were some there have been several moments but definitely one moment that um distinctly just resonates sticks out in my mind constantly reminded of I went to visit Maryland and while in Maryland my friend that I was visiting was like oh we're gonna go to Ohio and I was like okay but, and she was like, but there's no room in my car. There's already people riding with me, but there's a group of us going either ride with them. I lied, sure. So I got in a car with a group of strangers. Um, and Ohio. Yeah, to drive from Maryland to Ohio with friends that, they were friends with her. So I was like, well, whatever. Um, so we went and then we stayed at somebody's house in their basement. People I do not know, but apparently people that she knew through someone else. So... <laughs> The thread gets longer. It gets longer. But we went to like this conference. But long story short, her friends like would like to get together and just like pray. So um we 
got together, we were playing, worshiping the holidays, and they did something called a fire tunnel where it's like people stand in a line. It's like a soul train line. Yeah. Uh, people lined up on either side and some will go down the middle, but instead of dancing, people are praying while you're going down. So we're doing a fire tunnel. And it was, I had never been in a fire tunnel before. I know what's happening. So I'm watching other people go and I'm like, okay. And they're like, Crystal, it's your turn to go. And I'm like, okay, I'm jumping in and it breaks. So I start walking down this tunnel, this fire tunnel. And while I'm walking down this fire tunnel, this girl, she looks at me. So everybody's saying things to you, praying in tongues over you, just praying for you as you're going down. But she like locks eyes with me and like steps, kind of steps into the tunnel too. And she just starts talking to me. The thing is, she's talking to me. I start talking back to her, but either of us are speaking English. <laughs> it's like full on Mandarin or something. Like she is distinctly talking to me in another language. And I am responding to her in another language. Like, but we are having a whole conversation. And the conversation that we were having was about my commitment to God and what I was going to do moving forward. And if I wanted to accept what it was that God wanted to do in my life and was I going to waver in between or was I going to fully commit? Like, so this is a whole conversation that we're having. And this conversation goes on for probably, I don't know, it's hard to even say like time and space or whatever at that point but i would say maybe five to ten minutes yeah. we're having this deep, wow. it could have been long enough it could have been 15 but we're having this deep conversation and then literally the very last thing that she said was in english and she said i love you and then she gave me a hug and then like it was like we both snapped back into english mm. and so i looked at her and i was like do you know what you were saying to me and she was like bits and pieces and so again, this is somebody that I just got in a car and she wasn't even in the car with me. She was in the car with my friend, mm -hmm. but somebody I just met and drove to Ohio with. Wow. And she was talking to me about things that were literally deeply pertaining to my life. Things that I had done, places that I had been, that she literally couldn't have known because I hadn't even shared them with a friend that I rode with, you know, that, that I knew from up there. Yeah. And so she was like, yeah, so we... And English talked about like, she was like, yeah, I kind of, I heard God saying like this, or it was kind of these things. But so it was extremely specific and clear. And so again, when I think about, you know, there are various moments, but <laughs> obviously that's one of the moments yeah. that sticks out in my mind a lot where it was just like, no, God was saying like very specific things to me, but in like a whole nother language. And we were both just like speaking a whole nother language to each other. And, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. No, I dig that. I believe we'll probably have to do a part two, right? Because you had a very interesting story that I believe the viewers gonna want more detail in. However, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot. I still haven't even said like there's a lot. There's a whole lot more, which I can hear it, and I and I can imagine, right? Just based off of the parts that we have heard. Uh, however, we'll get it. We're going to squeeze it out one day we will. Uh, however, at this junction now, what would you say is something that God has been putting on your heart recently that you'll be living out um, that even other people can even watch your journey as it unfolds and things like that? 
Uh, what is a thing? Huh. Um, it's hard to say. And I say it's hard to say because God has been showing me things and I'll see glimpses or I'll get into a moment and God will be like, he'll just be like, remember this moment or it's going to be like this or like, and he's been kind of saying it in bits and pieces. And so like, God literally told me I could show you better than I can tell you. And so, I mean, I write books, so I know that's something that I'm going to do. He's been talking to me about different books, so people could be looking out for that. Um, but if anything, I would say they could be on the lookout for somebody that is true. That's an extremist. And it's like, I like to say I love to go in. I love when God sends me to help the people that that seem too far, too unredeemable, like, don't see, be surprised if you see me pop up in moments or in spaces where there are people that everyone has casted out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, God really brought this person back. Mm-hmm. And she's there again. Like, don't be surprised if you see me in those spaces where God is choosing to use me mm-hmm. to help those people. Awesome. I feel like everybody's redeemable. Very true. And your story shows can tell us that in so many ways. Uh, what are some places that people can get in contact with you? Obviously, I know the places so ever to let the people know as well as to put it in the description down below. But where are the places that people can reach you? Um, so obviously on YouTube, a purposeful pursuit. Um, I do devotionals. I've been doing a lot of success um videos lately, just trying to help people to get things in order so they can live the life that God is calling them to live. I love talking about purpose and things. So I'm purposeful pursuit. And then I'm actually extremely personable. So I have an email, crystal at a purposeful pursuit.com. So people can email me there. I read really long emails. It doesn't bother me. Um, because I don't know, I want to help. And I feel like the more you say, the more I can probably help. So, and I 100% respond. So yeah, email and YouTube. There it is. There it is. Like I said, all of those things will be down below so that you can get in contact with her as well as be on the lookout for all of the various things that she and I have coming up, largely because we are one. And so I did share, allow her to share her things. However, I know there are a lot of things that we do and we will do and that you all will see. Um, last question. When the thought comes to mind, unapologetically Christian, what comes to your mind? Um, I guess I think about the word unapologetic and it's just like, this is who I'm going to be and I don't really care what you think Boom. about the fact that this is, that I'm a Christian. Boom. Boom, chocolate. The ladies did it just like that, boys and girls. Children of all ages. My lovely wife has shared pieces of her story. However, we will definitely have her hope for part two of some things that we can further dive into. So definitely let me know in the comment section below what areas or points in which I should elaborate on or we can elaborate on. And we would do just that. But to not to string this out too long, we didn't want to, you know, do too much. But with it all great people, I love y'all. I appreciate you all. And definitely make sure you stay tuned for the next episodes because we have some other great things and other conversations in store. So until then, great people, peace.